0: plushcare.com slash weight loss
1: picture this you're stranded on an island forever don't freak out because you get to bring one dish with you your desert island dish
2: what is it every week your hosts paul and tegan that's us will ask this question we'll chat with and torment a literal raft of guests on the island who'll dish up stories gossip and culinary secrets
1: but they all have one thing in common.
2: They bloody love food. Welcome, welcome to, to Dish. Dish.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode two of Dish. My name is Tegan Higginbotham. I'm
2: Paul Verhoeven. It's
1: weird that I struggle to say my own last name, Every- isn't it?
2: Everyone does, it's a mouthful. Tegan
1: Higginbot Anyway, it's a dumb last name. Paul. Before we crack in and invite our special guest onto the island today, Mm -hmm. I have a question. Yes, please. So we've set up this stupid premise, which is that we are trapped here... On a still unnamed island. It's not a
2: premise. We're on the island.
1: Okay, we're on the island, it's, you sure. D- you, wouldn't,
2: you wouldn't walk up to Tom Hanks and Castaway and say, man, what a wacky premise this is. All right,
1: okay, so we're, so we're on our desert island.
2: It's not a desert island. No, sorry. I see palm trees right over there.
1: You know, it's only because of this podcast that I figured out the difference between desert and dessert. I've just not even bothered to learn it until now.
2: You thought the Gobi dessert was just delicious?
1: <laughs> and rude. <laughs> Here's my question. So we're here on our island, but I want to talk to you about the cake I made this week in the real world, in the other world. I want to talk to you about the Mexican feast that I cooked up this week. Yes. How am I going to be able to talk to you about those things mm-hmm. if, you know, premise, not premise, we're here on an island. Okay,
2: there is a murakami novel called Hard-Boiled Wonderland and the Edge of the World. Okay. And in it... Uh, the main character is basically in two places at once. So they will be in this world having these kind of everyday adventures and then they fall asleep and then they're awake in the other world. And the idea is that they're they're living in two worlds concurrently.
1: <laughs> this is a food podcast. I feel like we're going quite deep quite early on. Yeah,
2: but the thing is that we've made jokes that this is like the island from Lost. Okay. So, So what if there are versions of us back... In the real world, right? right. And doing things like cooking cake and cooking Mexican food and eating too much Mexican food and complaining about it after eating three days of Mexican food.
1: It was indigestion, people, and it was upsetting.
2: You said poopanes pains to me in the supermarket and <laughs> everyone looked very alarmed. Got, yeah. uh, but, but,
1: not, you know what? Another ground rule. We're husband and wife. I get that. <laughs> I get that we're going to be sharing things. We but- can't, Yeah, okay.
2: And the other, what I'm trying to say is that there's another like duo, a married couple, uh, who look like us and act like us and are us we're with them right now on this island. I'm saying we're in two places at once, is what Are I'm the
1: saying. guests going to be in two places at once? No, no,
2: no, no, no. You
1: know, we've told Georgia that she can't see her new husband mm-hmm. for the rest of her life unless he magically comes to our island as well. No,
2: no, it's podcast's prerogative. So basically, we have a magical power. It's not a real good power because you're kind of trapped in two places at once. One place has COVID and lockdowns mm. and work, and the other one is an island where you don't have... Do we have running water here?
1: I think we have water. You know what? Let's just let's just set a ground rule. We've yep. got water. Okay. We've got water on the island. Another another little question just before we bring on our... I'm just so excited about today's guest. But before we introduce him to the island, mm. um, how big do you think this island is? Because at the moment, you're on the island. Mm. I'm on the island. Mm-hmm. Georgia Love is on the island. And her foie gras is on the island.
2: Yeah, not her... Not- I thought you were going to say husband. Um, no, no, no. He's not. It sounds
1: like she loves him about the same, so it's fine. Okay,
2: so how big is the island? Part of me thinks maybe because I chucked. I keep thinking maybe it's like Jurassic Park, where you rock up on a helicopter mm-hmm. and there's and, and there's like a community centre with some catering and a weird banner, but apart from that, you're kind of on your own.
1: I'm going to fight you on the community centre. I don't believe there's a community centre. It's because but... you don't
2: believe in communities. I think <laughs> what we need to do is basically say, okay, it is like uh, imagine if Phillip Island was covered in jungle, right? With beach around the edges. Okay. It's about that size. Okay,
1: so in case people don't know what we're talking about, Hmm. at the very bottom-ish of Victoria, there is an island... Uh, It has penguins and Hemsworths on it. Yes. Uh, It's quite lovely. There's a race track, a car racing track out there. But
2: it's kind of like a it's just like floating farmland with some cliffs and beaches around it. But I'm saying take that size of island, Mm -hmm. put it so far away from land that it's impossible to get to surrounded by kind of magical magnetic fields and whatnot. You know uh, and then you've kind of got yourself a bit of a Arthur Conan Doyle's Lost World vibe. It's like that covered in jungle.
1: Well if I remember correctly, uh, because I'm pretty good with geography i believe philip island is 101 kilometers squared and
2: i believe you just googled that and asked <laughs> me to cut this bit out but i'm not going to do it because we're on an island we're an authority unto ourselves
1: so our island just to differentiate it let's make it 102. so our island is 102 <laughs> kilometers squared that's quite big
2: yeah sure uh which means we have 3.1 hemsworths here based on the conversion rate of philip island to hemsworths
1: great okay so yep. No, they're not. Don't establish that there are Hemsworths here, or else I'm not going to be thinking about food. I'm going to be out there hunting Hemsworths.
2: Until we get a Hemsworth here, at which point I'm going to play this back to them, and we're going to embarrass you. (laughs) But look, it's it's a sizable enough island that you could kind of go and, you know, find your own space, but after a while, it's going to get crowded, I think.
1: I think it's going to take a while. 102 kilometers squared. I mean, isn't that the size of all of the UK? I mean, I think that's a pretty big space.
2: (laughs) what are you talking about
1: look we can get bogged down in the semantics or we can introduce our first guest yes now wait no i want to talk about my cake
2: do you want to talk about it afterwards or now okay talk about your cake
1: okay i made a cake it was really nice i got it wrong but it turned out okay but i'm going to try and do it again So what I made is this cake called Gâteau de Mamie, which in French is, it's a grandmother's cake Mm -hmm. and it is a lemon and yogurt cake. Now I got about halfway through popping this thing together and realized that it requires all-purpose flour, of which I only had about three quarters of a cup. So I had to go with all-purpose flour and a little bit of self-raising flour. I tried to balance it out by reducing the baking powder. Mm -hmm. It did not work.
2: No. So basically I like a ratio on my cakes of like icing or glaze or whatever. Mm-hmm. And because the cake blew out... It, it, was, like it was
1: it looked more like a loaf. Um, I have to point out, it was lovely. It was very good loaf. Because I doubled the lemon zest because yep. we like a lot of lemon zest. Whether we're doing uh, Mary Berry's Lemon Tray Bake or mm-hmm. whatever we do with lemon, we always double what they ask or for. Or just
2: eating lemon to stop ourselves from getting scurvy.
1: Basically, one yeah. of the two. So there was lots more lemon in there. I also used an olive oil. It called for a neutral oil, mm-hmm. um, but... I don't know what that is, and I didn't realize that Switzerland had an oil, and I haven't bought it. Good Thank joke. Thank you. Thank you. Good joke. <laughs> uh, I think I could. I don't know. It called for a neutral oil, and I'm like, I like an oil with an opinion. So fuck you, Switzerland. I uh, know. I mean, you could go it so many different ways, couldn't you?
2: Well. It's always going to be Switzerland-related, right? It is
1: always going to be Switzerland. Anyway, I don't have one of those. I don't even know what neutral oils are. I have olive oil, and I like olive oil, so it had olive oil in it. And I think think it was lovely. It had a
2: very kind of buttery taste. It was very nice. It was really good. Um, But unfortunately, I ate it all, so there isn't enough for our guest, who I can see coasting over the horizon. Now, if (laughs) perchance. You hear some odd kind of audio quibbles, like the fact that we somehow sound worse talking to this wonderful guest. Uh, That's probably because there's strange magnetic fields and ley lines on the island, which might be interfering with... uh, I mean, this is just a weird effect of the island. Sometimes our guests will sound better or worse than us. It's not actually our fault, all right? We're very (laughs) far away from Wi-Fi, so...
1: Please, we're aware of the audio problems. Is that what you're kind of saying, (laughs) Yeah, but
2: I'm trying to to set it up so it works in-universe. The
1: island moves. The island moves. Okay. You know what, Paul? I think they've got the idea. It's going to sound a little bit hinky, but you know what? It won't matter because this guest is absolutely fantastic. He's a man who wears many, many hats a comedian, author, and broadcaster. You may have seen him profiled in the New York Times, seen him on ABC's Australian Story, or heard him on BBC Radio 4. I also want to call it I know this might be contentious, but I genuinely think he's one of the funniest people on Twitter right now. He is on fire. Please welcome award-winning comedian, Sammy Shah.
2: Now, you know what? Sammy's actually recently finished a huge run at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. So I'm gonna start off asking him what kind of food options he finds after a gig. Welcome to the island. Uh, How'd you find the trip over? Uh,
0: absolutely horrifying. I do not like the ocean. I'm not friendly with the ocean at all. The fact that the ship capsized after hitting an, a, an iceberg in the middle of a tropical kind of environment. It's very strange to find an iceberg in the Pacific like this, but still, um, you know, I fought off some sharks and here I am.
1: That's amazing. And you know, what's really weird is I wasn't sure exactly where we're located on the globe. I think we probably moved, but I had guessed the Pacific. You have backed that up sammy I yeah think perfect it's likely that we are somewhere in the pacific it's nice it's good temperate no
0: because nobody wants to get stranded on an island in the atlantic or or one of the, a, a place where it's cold all the time those islands suck there's no you know tom hanks would not have survived on a cold bitter wintry island
1: yeah i agree i mean it's true that in three years we're going to be completely underwater but hey it's warm now yeah
2: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the thing is, if we're in a colder area, and I like to think that this island can actually move and stay, stay seasonal, I like the idea that a cold island makes it easier to store food because things spoil way slower when it's cold, right? i mean we don't have refrigeration here
1: yeah look we're just gonna we're gonna figure this out as we go paul but i don't want you to throw refrigeration (laughs) into the the list of issues (laughs) we have to deal with in this made-up planet yeah
2: it goes it goes okay it goes vaccines uh dentistry (laughs) refrigeration and then the smoke monster from lost which is here by the way it's it's actually here now sammy before you um upped sticks and left a life model decoy doing your comedy festival uh run over at the melbourne international comedy festival but before you left uh i understand that i mean one of the things about a comedy festival is You have late nights, and then you finish, and you are out in the Melbourne CBD, and typically speaking, comedians eat what I would regard as trough food. But what is your go-to meal when you stagger out of a gig and need to soak up the alcohol and the anxiety?
0: So look, it depends on what time um, I've staggered out, right? Like, if it is before, I think, 10.30 or 11, um, it's going to be a giant, (laughs) giant plate of, of bolognese with um with crusty bread on and butter on top and a granada like that is standard has to be done if it's a if it's a gig before 11 p.m if it's after 11 p.m my go-to used to be the 24-hour ramen place which has a really good spicy ramen however they have now since lockdown ended they're no longer 24 hours they are no longer seven days a week I can't rely on them being open when I go there. So then I go for the default Chinese food, fried chicken with um, with rice and it's, and, and uh, broccoli and oyster sauce. You know, just the basics.
1: I think also we're in a generation where comedians are a little healthier now. I don't know. Oh my God,
0: it's so different now.
1: Everybody's like exercising and they're doing show. It was about exercising and I agree I mean there, there, there was a lot of green juice the last time I did festival and it blew my mind it really really did
0: You know when you get to a gig and the gig is at a pub and it's a bunch of comedians and a lineup show and the pub manager pub owner or room runner will bring a, a giant jug of beer across for all yeah. the comedians and now it use and now it's a thing where all the comedians will be like, yeah, I'm good I don't want any. And, I, and i'm like oh wow things have really changed because at the back in the day we would have finished that jug in the first five seconds and been asking for the third
1: yeah and given it's how you're being paid you should probably yes.
2: drink <laughs> jug of beer. Yeah, cause
1: like you earned that they beer. Used,
2: yeah they used to pay you in drink cards those little filthy lamb you know janet McCloud hands yeah. you just dog-eared thing it looks like a stub for a coat room like a coach i
1: was concerned about those drink cards even before covid hit like you would look at them and go this has been in some seedy sweaty hands oh yeah
2: it's like less hygienic than pigeon cross with an boot. those things are just easy but sammy i guess okay so we are now officially talking about food and i guess let's just wind it right back are you are you not a foodie because i resent that term but are you a fan of food
0: i am yes it's a it's a major part of my life my identity everything part of it is just being from pakistan where Um, And, you know, Pakistan, like like, Karachi particularly, we don't have bars, we don't have pubs, we don't have that alcohol. You know, over here, you get together over alcohol. Um, For us, as a result, we get together over food. Um, And the quality of food and the quantities of food are a very, very important thing. And Karachi, much like Hong Kong or much like Melbourne, is a migrant city. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we've got food from all over pakistan and 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 afghanistan and iran and everything kind of all melding into one place and so we take food very seriously we take uh, we're not precious about it though pakistanis with karachi it's particularly are very big on fusion and mixing things you know before it was called fusion which was just you take the poor, one poor people's ingredient and another poor people's ingredient and combine them and come up with something new um so yes it's always been a part of my life and i you know when i moved to australia at 35 unfortunately that was the first time i ever cooked because in pakistan and um i never cooked um we had a cook uh, because that's just part of the culture there but uh, i've learned cooking very seriously i've taken it very seriously and very passionately and um and 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 specialize in several cuisines now because it's one of those things i obsess over
2: that's really interesting i mean so you left when you were you came across when you were 35 have you found that you sort of used cooking pakistani food as a way of like reconnecting with your with your roots oh definitely Uh, Definitely. does it make you homesick or does it make you feel good like what what are you doing well
0: yeah so initially it was definitely a homesickness thing and also just that's what i'm used to i'm used to a certain Mm -hmm. kind of cuisine being in the fridge at home whenever i get home from work and and not having that you start craving it severely um there's certain spices and stuff that we use which are which are addictive you know i'm just like crushed red chili powder the fact that you know it it, when it's not in something i miss it and so i need it in everything it's things like that but then also now it's just become a way of connecting my daughter to her roots you know so i'll I'll make pakistani food for her so that she knows what her grandparents cooked back home and what her parents grew up eating and and that kind of a thing um and also just because it's damn good food it just tastes really good
1: yeah i'm really curious so you said that you had a cook in pakistan and that's mm. just really really normal but has this created something where there's a real divide between people who know how to cook and then people who just definitely. never cook anything in their life
0: definitely so that's one of those things so it'll be like um you know everyone's dad will be much like in Australia. everyone's dad will be the guy who does the barbecue you know, that's a, yeah. that's a skill that the dad has to learn. Um, but to be honest, even that the cook knows better. So yes, there's definitely um, a generation or two at this point where, um, and that's middle class and above, you know, um, everyone has, everyone from the middle class and above has a cook, has that kind of a thing, uh, uh, that, that, that option available to them and, and they utilize it. And so the end result is yeah, the family recipes get given to the cook. The family recipes don't get given to you. And so when you're there's an entire culture of of immigrant students and and, and international students in, in Australia and in America and England who are learning to cook for the first time in the 20s and 30s and have to use ready cooked, you know, ready made recipes or, or recipe boxes and things like that, and then finally kind of come around to doing things themselves.
1: So you took on this cooking, you know, this this challenge for yourself because you wanted this connection. What is it about Pakistani cooking that is the most challenging thing? If we were going to, you know, bring out all the ingredients and try and cook a Pakistani dish today, what are we going to fail at?
0: Oh, look, it's very hard to fail. I think the failure comes when people start adding things that aren't necessarily needed there's places here in melbourne um i live in northcote and and there's um, a place here called lentil as everything which is you know a place that does dolls they they specialize in a lot of dolls and indian food and pakistani food but there's Mm. you know for me it's always a warning sign when a place that does a lot of food from brown countries has no brown people (laughs) inside it um it's just a lot of patchouli smelling hipsters And you know, you know the food is atrociously bad because every time you go in there, the doll has pumpkin in it, and it's like, who the fuck is putting pumpkin in my doll? Get that pumpkin out of my goddamn doll! (laughs) And it's shit like that. It's things like that where it's like just. Stick to the basics. We have perfected this stuff over thousands of years of continuous cuisine and cooking and lines of tradition. And we know what we're doing. And so, you know, don't skip out on things. It's like I'll give another example in Italian food. One of the most basic, absolutely basic Italian foods that you can make is just um, spaghetti, olive oil, garlic, parsley, Uh, and a squeeze of lemon on top and some chili flakes, Mm. and that's it right Mm. you make that and you've got a great meal and it's all alchemy it all kind of comes together perfectly now if you don't put one of those ingredients it'll taste bad and if you put more stuff in there it'll taste different uh sometimes it'll taste bad as well it's just about see, the Italians spent hundreds and thousands of years perfecting that Let, hundreds of thousands there's such an I mean okay <laughs> maybe not <laughs> hundreds of I mean hundreds of years or thousands of years <laughs>
1: I just don't
2: know history, so I would have been like, "Yeah, man, that's wild." Yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't have been no. Questioned. Four billion years ago, they invented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All
0: right. Look, the, realistically speaking, they probably spent a thousand years because before that, they didn't have spaghetti. It was brought across by the Arabs, so like it's yeah. a whole other yeah. thing. But you know, the 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 idea being, we're doing it right. We don't need, we don't need white people to come and put pumpkin in it, mm-hmm. like. Keep your fucking pumpkins away from our food. <laughs> I love
2: how angry you are with this.
1: Because <laughs> if yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have this pumpkin, you find four pumpkins in town. Three hippies have been happy?
2: three hippies have been stabbed in Northcote today by an angry comedian. Yeah,
0: it's it's. Trust me, it's. I've come close to having it happen many times. <laughs>
2: I think because I started cooking a lot of uh, Indian stuff recently and I was looking through recipes for like six different recipes for dal, and they all had about three ingredients each and that was it. I mean, it was yeah. really boilerplate. And I think what I'm discovering, Sammy and Tegan, is that there is a thing where, you know, are you familiar with the concept of the uncanny valley? No. So basically the clo- when you're trying to create something that looks exactly like a thing, the the more accurate, the more details you add, the, the harder the easier it is to screw it up if you draw a smiley face for someone and ask the human brain to attribute that with a face that they know the brain can do it but if you do like a really close thing but screw up one of the eyes suddenly it throws the whole thing off yes i think with cooking uh really good stuff if there's three or four ingredients you need to just pay attention and stick to those ingredients taking I mean, I've been making Stanley Tucci's um, pea diddellini from his grandmother's cookbook. And it's tomatoes, onion, garlic, mm-hmm. fresh peas, and that's it. And that's, that's the ingredients. And, he's, so good, and his
0: cookbooks are great. because I really love his cookbooks because they genuinely are traditional recipes done traditionally, no bullshitting. Um, and, and I respect that a lot, but this isn't to say I'm not, I'm against fusion. Like I like fusion. I like creativity, you know, in cooking, there's a bunch of really good places that do it well. Uh, I just mean, you know, there's some that do it disrespectfully. I feel like that's one.
1: So you are chatting about fusion. Pakistani cuisine is really heavily influenced, of course, by India. And then you've got Afghanistani right. influences coming in as well. Is there, are there dishes where you're like, this is no fusion, no influence. This is what Pakistani cooking is this is what our cuisine is do you have that one dish that kind of sums up
0: there's a few and part of it is also the regional because pakistan's got you know the closer you go to the afghan border side of the country um you'll have more meat-based dishes there The closer you go to the indian side of the border, uh, border side of the country you'll have more lentil based and more vegetarian dishes there And then we kind of combine those two. So there's a few things that it's called. Haleem is one, um, which is a very, very Pakistani dish. Uh, Paya is another. These are very meat-based and lentil-based, really, um, you know, thick, rich food um just a simple chicken tikka you know like not the chicken tikka masala but just the chicken tikka which is a barbecue dish that's also very very pakistani as well so yeah we've got um you know it's it's got this thing there's a few places here in melbourne that do it really well they do pakistani food really well quite a few places actually we're quite lucky that way uh to have that and and it's really interesting because the the indian restaurants have clearly realized that there's a lot of money to be made by catering to non-indian customers and so there's the menu is a lot more anglicized, whereas the Pakistani places have just focused on Pakistani and Indian customers. And so they, it's very unfriendly, I'm sure, if you're not uh, a brown person going in there because the the menu is not uh, something accessible, but it's worth the uh, experiment, I feel. Okay,
1: so we should just get you to take us out for dinner. Yeah, I'm down with that.
0: I'm always happy to take people, yeah, especially particularly both of you, I'm sure we'd have a great time.
1: It'd be amazing. Let's do this. really
0: good. Once we get off the island. Once, once we
2: get off... yes. Right,
1: damn it, we're stuck in forever. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. You say
2: once again, if... I mean, if... I guess there's... the
1: plan is that we're not... Look, one thing that really changed food for Paul and I was lockdown. You know, I think our careers for a small period of time collapsed and we were kind of left floundering and the thing that we threw our love into and loved us back was cooking and baking and all of that sort of stuff. Mm. We didn't do sourdough, uh, which I'm proud to admit. We didn't go that far but how because i know that your 2020 must have been really big a really big changing period for you as well did you find yourself for falling more in love with food or did you just fall into the uber hole um i for me it was basically
0: i didn't do the the bread stuff either the sourdough and all of that i did not do that um i did a lot of i anyway do a lot of experimentation with cooking like i spent a lot of time part of it is I'm, i'm a week on week off parent and so that means um i have my daughter one week and then i'm i'm single single one week then i have my daughter one week single one and like that so i have to really think about the weeks that i have her the meals that cater around her 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 palate and and what she's what's healthy for her things like that uh the weeks that i don't have her i can go wild and 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 run riot in the kitchen so there a lot of that does happen uh, and that happened in lockdown as well you know it was just about kind of managing which what weeks um i i was cooking for whom um i do like experimenting so i did that continuously um i tried out different cuisines but it was near the end of lockdown you know the last month and a half to two where we basically kind of last i'd say the last month particularly where we just it became gray day after gray day you know just like an existence of just bland sameness that's mm-hmm. when I was doing a lot of, like, 1 a.m. halal snack packs. Like, a lot of those. Uh, uh, So, if you go to a kebab place, like a... a, You know those late-night kebab places where you end up and you're drunk? It's
2: like like a trailer with neon, and it's got sort of illuminated squares with pictures of kind of shawarma and whatnot. Exactly. So, a halal snack pack is
0: basically... uh, It's a box with a mountain of fries, a mountain of shawarma meat on it, and just sauces like garlic sauce and chili sauce or what I get. And that's it. It's just a trough of food. And <laughs> and you and it's fried and it's cooked and it's you know, it's 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 a whole combination of flavors. And you can eat that and feel your heart, arteries clogging. And during lockdown, every day I'd be like, I'm not having it today. And then one o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting in front of the PlayStation. And I'm going. Yeah, I guess I'm ordering another one. And that was it. That was life.
1: <laughs> yeah. Great. Okay.
0: Cool.
2: And that's that's absolutely horrifying. It's understandable though. Well, one thing you said just then, which really got me, was I was listening to a podcast recently, and they were talking to Nadia Hussein, who's the winner of season five of the Great British Bake Off. Yes. And uh, she was talking about how old is how young is rather too young to introduce chili and heat to your kids and she was saying that in her culture basically at around 5 years old they're getting their kids to try spicy food now i don't know how old your daughter is but how are you going with the whole chili thing is that something um
0: yeah so it's weird because um i obviously just grew up with it so we were addicted to chili from a very young age all you know we even have snacks in pakistan like chili mili its gold, which is just gummy bears but they're spicy um so yeah we don't fuck around at all so uh, but my daughter didn't grow up with any of that because she grew up here so now Mm -hmm. we're kind of getting her you know used to chili stuff and look she doesn't have the resilience i did but that's Mm -hmm. fine um but it'll come but we are introducing it part of it is just also um you know uh, snacks we we have a lot of savory snacks in pakistani which are very spicy so i buy those from the local stores here um and uh, you know the the stores which have the uh, pakistani goods and stuff and she loves those so that's kind of You know changing her palate as well but look it's an ongoing process and it's one that you're curating very very carefully
2: because you know in Dune how Paul puts on the still suit and it fits him and he knows how to fit it because he's the chosen one I was thinking maybe you were hoping that your daughter would eat the chili just look at you and her eyes would be glowing blue and she'd be the chosen one she'd be the one who could eat chili without being burned ideally
0: that's what should have happened but it really hasn't
2: (laughs) okay Uh, now one question we uh, were hoping to ask you because we've that you've actually brought a massive box with you and we assume that in it is the meal that we asked you to bring because you're stranded on this island and you were smart enough to bring one meal with you could you tell us what it is and why you brought that meal?
1: And, and just before we you know, announce what the meal is. This is the meal that you'll be eating for the rest of time. Yes. So yeah, it's it's got to be important.
2: Uh, I should point out this is a democracy. So as more guests come to the island, you can trade. You know, <laughs> <sharing your meals. laughs> I think what should happen is it's sort of like you bring a you know it's, it, you bring a meal, but you can keep making that meal.
0: Yeah. Look, we've all read Lord of the Flies. We know how this island adventure is going to end anyway. So <laughs> just, you know, don't worry about it. They'll, you'll be killing them soon anyway.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, look, we're gonna have to keep on battering mm. out these rules as 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 they evolve but sammy what is your desert island dish
0: uh my desert island dish is i've, I've talked I've, a big talk about dal and so i shall i am bringing my dal with me it's basically um it's called mama shah's dal which is basically my mom uh, mama shah um is uh, she's got a recipe for uh, a kind it's called khatti dal khatti meaning sour and it's a sour dal recipe that is famous in our family every one of the family loves it they come over just to eat it all the time it's the thing i miss the most when i was here and i learned how to make it and i've since been making it regularly so there's always like a box or two of um dal frozen in my freezer um which i then take out and 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 defrost and kind of throw some rice on it or, or just have it with bread and it's great it's perfect um and yeah, it's, it's it's a khatti dal is what I've brought for everyone. Would, would you be opposed to talking us through... I know it's a secret family recipe, but... Are you
1: allowed to even share that? I am.
0: So basically, we had a whole thing where um I wrote up the dal recipe and then my mom was like, look, she wants more people to have access to it because obviously everyone loves the dal. And so when I was doing ABC Radio Melbourne... We told people if they call into the show and give us their contact info, we will email them the doll recipe. And we did. We ended up sending it to several How many people. Did you get? Uh, several thousand people ended up getting. Uh, so and to this day, I get emails from people, or tweets from people, or Instagram messages from people saying I made Mama Shah's doll. It's the best thing ever. Um, so yeah that dal recipe is out there it's uh, there's I think there's a blog in Texas that put it up recently as well so yeah it's available if someone wants it
1: That is so cool look I'm going to I'm going to definitely look up the recipe and we'll make sure that we share it as well is there a trick though that people may not know or just something that you've learned now through mastering yes. this dal recipe what's what, what are the
0: tips The trick is it's something called tarka um which is a step that you do at the end of the recipe Mm -hmm. and a lot of people skip it because they don't think it's important and what the trick is is basically once your dal is pretty much made you take some red chilies garlic mustard seeds um, and curry leaves and you fry them for maybe 15 seconds in a really hot pan with oil throw them on top of the dal and close the lid because explosions will happen Mm. and when those explosions happen they just add a kick to the food and that kick is essential without it it's bland without it they, they, that flavor is there but it doesn't congeal it's with the way when you do um when you make italian food and you or pasta and you use the pasta water to emulsify everything yeah. else it's the same kind of thing where it just brings it all together and elevates it
2: so but what you're saying is don't do this last explosive step in Italian food and don't put yes. pasta water into your jar <laughs> No. Because you'll ruin it. Just, I
0: you know, mean, look, I haven't tried it. I'm, I'm sure some <laughs> enterprising soul can give it a go. And if your kitchen survives, tell me how it went.
2: Because I, I, yeah, I've been cooking a lot of South Indian stuff lately. And they have this thing called chonk, which again is mustard seeds and mm-hmm. fresh curry leaves in oil. And yeah, those leaves basically start to detonate. Yes and i poured them and the oil they were in into my dal and then stirred it up and i'm a big citrus guy I like the acids so i i don't know if this is blasphemy but loss of limes squeezing uh, no no we so
0: we use a lot of like this recipe has several uh, lemons not limes but lemons involved in it as well so mm. yeah, um i will find the link to the recipe and send it across to you all so if you want if you have a patreon or anything like that you can put it up there
1: amazing we will definitely do that i really i really appreciate that before we let you go and build your hut, what <laughs> were you doing before you were stranded here? And we
2: didn't build them already? Uh, they're building their own huts.
1: Oh God, I'm not building their huts. Oh, this is fucking Fire Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah this is exactly, is exactly how I thought. He's going to have to go and like harvest wood, all sorts <laughs> of horrible things. But what was what was life like for you before you got stranded? I've
0: got a lot of, um, I'm, I'm doing a lot of writing these days. I've got a few projects going on, all writing based. Um... A, a series for Audible that I'm working on, a, uh, a, a couple of novels as well, which hopefully should be done by the end of this year. Um, and, uh, and and those can, you know, people can kind of get previews of some of that stuff. I put up extra chapters and short stories that I'm working on, etc. on my Patreon. But um, if I can plug that a bit. But overall, uh, yeah, it's a lot of things. Right now, there's nothing I can show other than the comedy festival show. But one day uh, in the near future, there'll be a glut of new content, hopefully, if everything works out fine.
2: Well, Sammy, we're going to let you uh, get your building materials and get started. Uh, There is a high wind, so we want you to be very careful out there on the steps. But um, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Dish. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. That Sammy Shah is a national treasure.
1: He really is. He's an absolute wonder and... I am never eating pumpkin in my dal ever again. I didn't want to say it when he was there. I've had pumpkin in dal. Oh, it's rank. I didn't
2: mind. Really?
1: I don't know. Never mind. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm never doing it again.
2: You know what? I think I I was remembering pumpkin in my mum's risotto growing up and I was bouncing. You know what? I'm not fussy, but pumpkin is one of the foods I, I will eat but I will rarely enjoy it.
1: Do you know what I've noticed about you? You don't eat the pumpkin skins. When I roast them up and mm. roast it, and it gets all really black and charred, and, and just, I don't know, I feel really flavorsome. You still cut the skins of the pumpkin off. Not
2: anymore, because you shamed me, and I think you implied I might be fussy about something, so I started eating them and doubling down. Oh, I didn't
1: notice. Yeah. I'll just shame you more often. That's wonderful. Yeah, great. Now, you mentioned chunk when we were chatting to Sammy. Yes. <laughs> it sounds like some sort of cool dance move that I wouldn't be able to pull off, like right. the chonky donk.
2: Have no, no, what you're thinking is it sounds like what, what your hips will do if you thrust too hard and they, <laughs> and they snap out of place.
1: Yeah, look, one of the two. Explain it a little more for me. What is chonk?
2: Well, it's when you thrust your hip to the left and the bone comes through the... Okay, what you're talking about is the uh, recipe, yes. So Sammy and I were kind of talking about chonk as an instrumental part of dal. Now, dal recipes are... The trick with a dal recipe is to find one with as few ingredients as possible. Yes.
1: Alright, so basically open the packet, you've got dal. Ah, just kidding. Oh, I saw your face. Blood I boiling. I saw your
2: face. No, the, dal's an amazing, an amazing food. Uh and I've been cooking it for years, but until I discovered chonk I hadn't really been You know, doing it right Mm. And as Sammy pointed out Look, Sammy's uh, mother's dial is The recipe is online But the thing I wanted to talk about, yes Is my chonk recipe You know how my dial has been getting exponentially better lately? I don't want to give myself tickets
1: No, it has It's been getting exponentially better Yes It started off as um, gruel. I was gonna say gruel And I didn't want to But it was gruel (laughs) It was the sort of thing that Oliver Even Oliver would have been like No, sir, I'm fine I'm full. No more needed. Thanks, sir. No, you know what? Timmy looks really fucking famished. Give it to Timmy. I've been constipated for three weeks, sir. Yes,
2: it's a little, it was a little depression era. And the reason was, is I was following the recipe to the letter and not embellishing at all. So the trick with Chonk is you basically finish, you finish the dal and then you make the chunk, and you throw it in. And as Sammy pointed out, you kind of fold it through, close the lid, squeeze on some lemon, and it's great, right? Mm-hmm. So my chunk recipe is basically a combination of several chunk recipes because I don't have any self-restraint, okay?
1: Right. So- is this the sort of thing where if Sammy heard about your chunk recipe, he'd be saying that you've ostensibly put pumpkin in the dal? Like, have you bastardized the recipe to that point where it is no longer really chonk? Uh,
2: no. Um... I don't think this is ronk chonk. I think this is... (laughs) Sorry. I'm just going to give you the the ingredients, okay? So, you want about three tablespoons of oil or ghee, if you're feeling brave. Um, Then you want about two teaspoons of cumin seeds. And yes, I say cumin because I heard Jamie say cumin once and cumin sounds rude.
1: Australians say cumin, mate.
2: Australians say a lot of things wrong.
1: I'm going to put out a poll. It's cumin.
2: Two tablespoons of cumin seeds. (laughs) Uh, then you want a, a, I'd say a half teaspoon of red chili powder. That's optional. One dried red chili. Now, if you can go to a market or somewhere and get an actual dried red chili, they look kind of crunchy and a bit desiccated, but they're whole. So the entire chili's in there, whack that in there. And then you want a big pinch of asphodita powder. Now, asphodita is one of my favorite things in Indian food. It, it's a pretty dominant flavor, but whack that in there. And then you want to get two teaspoons of black mustard seeds. And then you want to get 10 fresh curry leaves. You know what? Double that. 20 fresh curry leaves.
1: You are taking the piss, sir. I'm
2: I'm not taking the piss because as Sammy pointed out, the curry leaves explode. You put those in last. So what you do is you get everything in the oil once the oil is kind of shimmering on the surface of the pan. Right. At this point, the dial's almost done. Maybe it is even finished, okay? But it's hot, you've got the lid on top of it. So in a pan across from that, you put all those ingredients, I said, except for the curry leaves and the oil. And you stir it for, I would say, about two minutes until it's fragrant. Make sure the heat's not on too high, otherwise it'll catch. And then you chuck in all of the curry leaves, make sure you've rinsed them first, stir it around, and then let it sit for a second. And the curry leaves and mustard seeds and the cumin seeds will begin to basically explode. Now, this is the dangerous part. As they're beginning to kind of pop and explode, keep it moving for about 15, 20 seconds and then open the lid of the dal, uh, whether it's Mama Shah's dal or whatever recipe you've got. Pour in everything from the pan, scraping all the oil and everything because everything's fragrant at this point. And then you quickly close the lid of the pan, leave it for a minute, open it, stir it through, squeeze on half a lemon. Now, the lemon isn't part of the chunk. The lemon's just because I think citrus should be on everything. But all of those incredible aromatics and the curry leaves kind of have this lovely crunch you can actually eat them it's Mm -hmm. almost got like a snack like quality to it i am sure you can do it without stirring the chonk through and because the thing is this is bastardized from two different chonk recipes one of
1: who is inspiring you here what do you mean? Where have you gotten these recipes from?
2: Priya Krishna from Bon Appetit. Well, she's not with them anymore, but she published a cookbook a while ago. And then I saw a couple of other cooking tutorials from Indian chefs who were talking about this stuff called chunk. And so I kind of combined bits of different recipes. Mm-hmm. But traditionally, there's like two types of chunk, and I've just put them together. Okay. And fussed with the amounts a bit. So one of them is two teaspoons of black mustard seeds, and 10 fresh curry leaves in oil. And that's typically used for things like fish, noodles, you know, carrots, grains, rice, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And the other ones for like lentils, potatoes, chicken, meat, it's more carby. And that's the one with the cumin seeds, chili powder, dried chili, and the asphodita.
1: Right, so you really have just gone, what if we, can't we have both?
2: (laughs) Yes, exactly. I'm the heroic kid from from uh, from the taco ads. So yeah, if you are cooking Indian food, specifically dal, cuz dal's like it's a, you know, it's it's considered an entree, but if you chuck enough weird shit Is it? I find it so filling. Yeah. Oh, sorry, not entree is the wrong word. It's considered a component of a multi-curry oh, kind of Yeah, thing, of course. Yeah. right. So, if you can get yourself some flake Oh, and one other thing we've been doing, one other hack, or we we were doing back when we were on the mainland is we would make Indian food or make a dish and then we would toss up whether we wanted to just go and get the the naan bread. From the Indian takeaway
1: Yeah Well Yeah this is the problem See we like Very fresh naan Mm. I grew up So my first boyfriend Was Indian I dated him for two and a half years Or something like that Mm -hmm. So I'd go around After school To his mum's house And Gloria would make Fresh naan bread Yeah, so my first experience of Indian food was proper home-cooking Indian food. You're
2: doing the Italian (laughs) hand-nonna movement? But I've
1: spent my life chasing the dragon, trying to to relive glorious cooking, and it has not worked, but... Bad naan, just you might as well. Don't. Don't give me bad naan. So yeah, we we generally substitute with a takeaway shop naan.
2: Yep. And it's amazing because then you get to take... Because, okay, I know there will be a point where you and I will try things like homemade tortillas, homemade naan, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I believe you basically need a fucking tandoori oven to make proper naan bread, right? It's also
1: okay to go. Some people are just going to do it better than you. I mean, I'm not on a mission to become the best chef Mm. in the world. I'm really into eating... And a lot of the time, eating better food involves cooking it for yourself. Yes. Because takeaway, by the time takeaway gets to you a lot of the time, it's cold, little plastic containers, Mm. half filled. It costs you 60 bucks for some reason. It's like, what? And sometimes when you go out, it's equally as disappointing. Cooking your own food means that there is a level of control and you can try to elevate the dish. Yeah. But I'm not trying to become the best. And if somebody else makes naan better than me... Please make me some naan. Oh,
2: that's I 100% agree. But having said that, part of the reason we can now do so many different things much better than we could is because we went, yeah, but what if we did try, right? That's true. What what if there was a foolproof? You know what? We need to talk to a chef who specializes in Indian food or Sri Lankan food and kind of go, hey, can you help us out with naan?
1: I'm really lost in that department. So that would be wonderful. On that, though, trying something that we've not nailed. One day I would like to figure out how to make an at-home pizza. Like a proper homemade pizza. That doesn't
2: taste like garbage?
1: doesn't taste like garbage. Every time I've done this, I'm failing miserably. But you know what? We've jumped from Indian before we go running headfirst into Italian cuisine. We mm. should probably wrap it up for today. We've got another incredible guest coming next oh, week.
2: She she could not be further from buttery naan. <laughs> like in terms of... It, okay, so our guest next week is nutritionist and chef and TV presenter uh, Lola Berry. And Lola's amazing, but Lola's whole thing is, by and large, super healthy food.
1: I am super curious to hear what Lola Berry chooses for her desert island dish. Mm. Will it be something delicious? Will it be an activated almond? I'm not sure, but tune in next week and find out.
2: Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Dish Island.
1: Dish is part of the ACAST Creator Network.
2: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.